Welcome, writers, readers, and friends to the Authors Talking Bookish podcast. I'm Donna Norman Carbone, author of All That is Sacred. And I'm Hope Gibbs, author of Where the Grass Grows Blue. We're two debut writers traditionally published by a small publishing house, bringing to you all the experiences that we as authors learn the hard way, so you don't have to. We'll give you insights from the inception of a book idea to publication and beyond. And along the way, we'll share our love of books from the writer's perspective. Hey, folks. Welcome to Episode 9. Today, we're talking about showing versus telling. And we're going to talk to you about when they're appropriate in your writing and when they're not. I'm Donna Carbone, and I'm joined by Hope Gibbs. Hi, Hope. How are you? Hey, Donna. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. I can't believe it's October. I know, I know. Are you? Do you subscribe to the uh, pumpkin craze in the oh, fall? Is I, that where you are? I love pumpkins. I love everything about this season. It is my time. I decorate my house as much for fall as I do for Christmas and I decorate my house like crazy for Christmas. So I, I put out my pumpkins the very end of September and I have at least 15 of them outside. Oh, cool. But I'm not, um, is, but I'm not really crazy about pumpkin, everything where you are, or is that a Northeast thing? Nope. They love it here too. I don't love, love like pumpkin coffee. Cause I'm a, I like my coffee black. I don't even yeah. like cream or sugar or anything in it. Um, but I love pumpkin pie. I love everything about this season, um, because I am an October birthday. So, you know, I love this month anyway. Uh, but no, love it. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I love the fall. I, it's one of my favorite seasons for sure. It's just, it's beautiful here. Um, just the leaves are turning and I, I just, sometimes my husband and I will take a drive up North, even though we really don't have to, we have a lot of fall, fall foliage where we are. It's just the, the more North you go, the more beautiful it is. Yeah. At this time of year, our, our leaves really don't change until the end of October uh, and November. And a lot depends on how much rain we get in August and September, because if we don't, we have a very kind of bland kind of a foliage. So, but I, mm -hmm. I love this time of year because in the morning it is a little cooler. And so um, it's special. Yeah, it's nice. So um, what have you been up to? Well, um, I have another in-person book club up in Bowling Green. I, I love getting to go back to my old Kentucky home. Uh, and at the end of this month, I'm going to be heading back to uh, Bowling Green. I'm doing an event at uh, a library up there. And then in November, I've been asked to be part of the Louisville Book Festival uh, for two days up in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, it's Louisville for those of us who are from Kentucky, <laughs> not Louisville. Uh, but no, I'm so I'm getting ready for that. I'm going to be gone uh, up there for about three days. So that's kind of exciting. It's a that's you know a couple very, overnights. Very exciting. What about you? What's going on um, with you? Well, uh, last week I attended um, a benefit dinner. So our local arts place um, awards two high school students from the school where I teach $1,000 scholarships at the end of the school year. And so um, in part to raise money for that, they feature two authors. 
So they featured myself and another author, Cindy House, who wrote a book called Mother Noise. Um, and there were about 100 people in attendance. So it was a pretty big event and it was very cool. And it's interesting that you say that you're going to your public library because uh, tonight I have a book talk at my public library. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, that sounds incredible. So uh, so you could pick up a book while you're there. And, and speaking of books, because we love to talk about what we're reading right now, what are you reading? Because I know last episode, I mean, you're busy with teaching. You have to teach several books. But is yeah. there something that you're reading just for fun? Yeah, I. Um, the Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. Um, I usually don't do this, but I stumbled upon, um, I think it was like a little mini series. It, there weren't too many episodes, but, um, and it was so good. It was fascinating. So I picked up the book at my local indie store and I just started reading that. And I usually am someone who likes to read the book before I watch anything that it's adapted to. What about you? Well, first off, I read that book and I watched the show as well. So um, I really like her as an author. I think I have read maybe four books of hers. So um, and that book was a little different than some of her other ones. So um, but no, I really like that. So I picked this book up. Now, this uh, this is Beatrice Williams. Oh, and I in my state. Yes. So I I have to say last year I read a book that she wrote with two other authors mm -hmm. and it was The Lost Summers of Newport. And I fell in love. Yeah, and this is the actually the third book of hers that I have I am reading. And I'm also finishing up this book. This is called uh, House of Mirrors. This is from oh, wow. Ash. Yeah. An author that lives just down the street from me. Didn't know it until uh, I asked her to be part of Author Take the Wheel for our bookish road trip. Uh, and this book, it's great. It's a paranormal historical fiction, women's fiction, all wrapped into one. So it's a perfect kind of like little ghost story uh, with a history lesson. So I'm, I'm enjoying it. Oh, I love that. I, that sounds like it's right up my alley. And Beatrice Williams, I saw interview Jojo Moyes at um, an RJ Julia event um, oh. here in Connecticut. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. She's well, great. And Jojo Moyes was great, too. She's becoming one of my like go to authors. When I yeah. see a book, it's there are those authors that you see their name and you just pick up the book because you enjoy their style so much. Um, and so she's become kind of one of my, on my list. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, let's talk about our topic for today, which is showing versus telling. Do you want to share with everyone what the definition of each of those? Are? So, so yes. And, and this is, this is a very important, um, a very important topic for anyone who is thinking about writing a book. And again, we love to say the that, you know, we learn the hard way so you don't have to. And as I told you at the end of our last show, I learned this one a really hard way um, inadvertently. So with showing, it is basically when the writer is going to slow down the scene and they're going to provide you clues and it's going to be more action. So you're going to be able to visualize what is going on. Um, and this is where you really want a lot of your story. You want to show and not tell. But you can't just show the whole time or your book is going to be thousands of pages. So sometimes you have to tell and it is essential to use it the right way. And telling is when you're going to 
try to, to give someone a backstory without giving them a whole scene, you can actually condense it into maybe a paragraph or two, but that, but you're giving critical insight that is about your character or about the situation. So you've just got to know how to use it sparingly. Um, so that's kind of the, the old adage is show, not tell, but you can't just only show. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to give you some examples from our work and just talk a little bit about why we decided to either tell or show in a specific situation. And um, just to get, kind of give you an idea, like, how do I know when to show versus tell? Um, that's always a question I get as a writing teacher. And yeah. honestly, I, I can answer the questions of my students, but um, I struggle with that myself. Like there are times when I have, you know, told something and my editor will be like, Donna, you really need to slow down time here and really show us. So I'm going to start with my telling example first. Here's my book, All That Is Sacred. Um, and this is, in, this is the very beginning of chapter one. Um, today, this part of my our semi-private beach is sparsely occupied. Certainly, it's not to the capacity it is on most weekends. That's when the owners, our neighbors, come in from the suburbs to escape the hustle and bustle. At least that's what my parents always say. Our cottage has been in the family since my father's parents passed it down to him, as I suppose my father will pass it on to me and my brother one day. But this week, I call dibs, something I'm newly allowed to do since I'm in college and all. So um, for that part, I'm establishing the scene. It's literally the second paragraph in the whole book. And um, most of this book takes place at a summer cottage where Lynn, my main character, and her friends visit um, year after year after year, both in the summer and in the winter. And so I needed to set like a little bit of background about the cottage and the history of the cottage to my narrator, Lynn. This next example is showing, and I'll talk a little bit about that when I'm done. Riley twists her lips. Then she puts Walkman headphones in her ears when I have a perfectly suitable boombox playing music we all like on WKPX. It's the station we have listened to every summer. Well, it's a mixtape, she says. Someone at school made it for me. You don't have a cassette player, do you? Nope. Can't she just listen to her stupid mixtape some other time? And who is the someone? So mysterious. She can't even say a name. She clicks on the Walkman and starts bobbing her head. Annie turns onto her stomach with her nose in her book, splayed open on the towel. Jules lies down on her side, turned toward Helene. The two of them start talking about people I don't even know at their college. Ever since they've become roommates, I can't even stand them sometimes. I roll onto my stomach to even out my tan and bury my face in my towel. So that's later in the first chapter. And in the first chapter, um, I'm trying to establish how these five friends have been very close since they were 15. And now they're juniors approaching their junior year in college. And um, Lynn, the main character, is starting to see fractures in their friendship. She's starting to see 
secrets that people are keeping and she's really uncomfortable with that. So I needed to slow that down to show the reader how each of the characters were acting and how Lynn was feeling about that. Yeah. And I, I definitely noticed that you were, you were showing the physical actions, mm -hmm. um, especially when she rolls over, you can just, you're already, you're not telling the, the reader that, that she is seeing this, but you're, mm -hmm. you're, as a reader, you feel like you, you're there. You can, you can tell by someone's emotional cues mm -hmm. if they're not happy or if they're bored or so that, that right there is a prime example of showing. Yeah. How about you, Hope? You're going to give us some examples. Okay. So my example, uh, this, my telling is the first one I'm going to do. And so this takes place uh, at the beginning of chapter four, which is called American Woman. And uh, my main character is uh, Penny Crenshaw, and she is a runner. And so I'm going to explain to you why she is running without having to show you, because that will definitely uh, cut down on the time. Running six days a week has been Penny's routine for decades, as essential to her survival as heir. Nothing stops her exercise schedule. Rain, stifling heat, hailstorms pelting her with ice balls the size of grapes, and the daily IT band flare-ups causing shooting pain down her leg while her knee screams in agony. They're all part of Penny's life. So are the blisters on her feet, which resembled weather docks growing barnacles. She's lost count of how many toenails have become ingrown or fallen off in her sport, or rather her obsession. When she was a child, she discovered the solitude of running. It allowed her young mind to become still as the morning pond, clearing it from all the doom and gloom she was always waiting and watching for. The sky was perpetually falling for a young penny between her parents and the health of her brother and sisters. So there, I'm just kind of giving you a backstory about how important running is to her. Um, and so for me to actually go to more of the showing, this is further down in that same scene um, as Penny is getting ready to take a long run. As she finishes the last remnants of her water bottle, preparing for the mileage goal she set, Penny's phone pings. It's a text from Dakota. Have you made it to Silver Comet yet? Penny begins typing out her response on her new iPhone, which makes the task remarkably easier than the old flip phone she converted from earlier this year. How did you know? Penny replies. Because when you really want to punish yourself, that's where you go. If only you knew, Penny says as she pecks out a response. About to start. Did you take your mace? Dakota asks. She's worried about Penny's safety since the divorce, and it's only grown. Yes, I have it. Great Christmas gift, by the way. Just what every girl wants for the holidays. Nothing says I love you like pepper spray. Dakota texts back. I don't have time for a new best friend. I've invested way too much time in you for you to kill over now. Text me when you're heading home. So there you can, you know, so those are just some examples of showing versus telling, but they're both critical and they also help with the pacing of your novel. Yeah. One of the things that I noticed um, in your showing your first or your telling your first example, too, is um, not only have you sort of condensed Penny's history with running, but you also hint to at the end why she's running and kind of what she's running away from Yeah. Um, without, you know, without spelling that out and slowing that down. 
Um, and then I think later on, readers are going to connect back to that moment. Yeah. yeah. Telling is a great way to bring in someone's history um, because you do have to give a little bit of history of your uh, of your characters and you can't just show it. You do have to sometimes tell it. And there are benefits to telling us. And, mm -hmm. and for for example, just plain and simple, the efficiency that mm -hmm. that if I had tried to write that scene as showing, that would have been four pages. It, it would have taken me forever. And it helps with the with the pacing. It helps with the transition. And I think it also helps with focusing. What about you, Donna? What do you think are some of the benefits of telling? Yeah, I think um, just that condensing time. And there are some elements of backstory that you don't necessarily, that aren't necessarily integral to playing out in the story that you're telling now. You want your goal to always be you know, like the end goal or, you know, the growth, the growth of this character now. And sometimes the backstory doesn't play into that, but is important to understanding who the character is. One other thing that I noticed when you were reading Hope 2 is, and we both did this. Um, you also can, when you're showing, you also can incorporate your narrator's um, thoughts, which give an indication as to the emotions that they're feeling. Yeah. And, and our narration, because, you know, writing, you, you know, and it, it's going to be different from if you're writing in first person POV or mm -hmm. writing in third person, I think you and I both kind of say there's not a lot of second person POVs out there, right. uh, but you do have to handle it a little bit differently. Um, and so there, but, but everyone, you know, you do really want to show more than, than tell. And, and one of the big reasons is because of the emotional connection, because mm -hmm. without you telling me that Lynn is already seeing the fractures, she's kind of irritated just in her body language. <coughs> so I think that that is that, that made me feel like I was part of the story. And that's mm -hmm. the whole point of showing it makes your reader more invested emotionally. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just think about your um, your relationships with other people. You don't want other people to tell you what to think or what to feel. Um, and so when, when we're reading something, the reader doesn't want to be told what to think or what to feel. And that's one of the things that I love the most about having like going to these book clubs that we're going to yeah. is that um, everybody connects in a different way to the characters, to the plot, to the setting based on their own. I use this term with my students all the time, their personal repertoires, the way that we have been born and raised differently, like what our experiences are. Mm -hmm. And so um, you want the reader, the more the readers engaged in your story and feeling and thinking about your story, um, the better they're going to react to it. And the only way that you can achieve that is in those moments where you're showing and you're really developing your characters. But that's not to say that the telling parts are not also essential. They're essential. I mean, again, you cannot write an entire book only showing. You just or have to know. Telling. Exactly. Or if you you're totally if turn somebody off. Totally. Or it, 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 that's like reading a magazine article. You're, you're yeah. feeding someone information. And with my right. first draft, I had an information dump. I, I mm -hmm. knew my chapter 
number four was a problem. And I had to rework it by using showing, not telling. And that was that exact chapter that I had my information dump in. And it's, it's easy to fall into that trap because you know, like as you and I discussed in our last episode, we had these complex backstories of our mm -hmm. characters. And so you also have, as a writer, as an editor, you have to know what's important. What do you really, what do you really need to tell your audience? For me, that was very important because you needed to know that Penny has to run. And later on, as you say, you find out exactly why it becomes so important to her. Yeah. And the other thing too, that I think is important is pacing. Um, something else I've known just to, to writers off the top of my head, the book out of Africa. I don't know if you've ever read that. It's by Isaac Dennison um, is very exposition heavy. Like it tells a lot about the scenery and you I, I find myself when I read it kind of lose focus mm -hmm. conversely the writer Ann Tyler who I also really like a lot right her books are very dialogue heavy and um I I feel like I skip sometimes to kind of get to the heart of like what the conversation is about for me the best books have a balance because when you're showing versus telling, it really affects the pacing of the book. So if you want to slow something down, um, you want to show. If you want to speed something up, you want to tell, but you don't want to do too much of either. Yeah. And again, as we always say, there are resources out there. One of the books that uh, was recommended uh, by a, a writing friend for me was the book, and it's literally called Show, Not Tell. Yeah. And there is a whole series of books written, and it that's just one of, of many. Uh, there's one on just dialogue. There's, mm -hmm. you know, there's another one that I found that was so important for me that really did help me with showing, not telling was the emotional thesaurus. Mm -hmm. um, I know that we've talked about this many times, but to me, I keep that and, and I keep my phone always near me. I keep that one on my phone because that way I don't have to even flip through a book. I can just um, automatically go to it. If I'm stuck in trying to change a, a story part that was all telling into mm -hmm. showing. So Donna, what about you? Do you have any useful, um, you know, articles or books that help you with showing and not telling? I definitely do. And one of them that you mentioned is one that I, the only book that I keep next to my laptop when I'm writing is the emotion thesaurus, mm -hmm. because that is so helpful when I'm at a loss as to particularly when I'm revising really. Um, because when I'm writing, I just kind of pour the words on the page and I'm not really concerned with whether I'm showing versus telling. I kind of slow that process down when I'm revising and I use my emotional thesaurus a lot. Um, a couple of other things that I use are um, the countdown to writing book that I mentioned in the last episode. There's a really good article called show and tell the key to engaging meaningful storytelling by Heather Davis. Um, Natalie Goldberg is one of the writers who is um, kind of one of my go-to. She, she has a book called Writing Down the Bones, and she has a couple of chapters 
um, dedicated to showing versus telling and being very specific and concrete with the images that you choose. Um, so I highly recommend her. And then there's another book called Everybody Writes by Anne Hadley, Handley. And she has a chapter in there called Show, Don't Tell as yeah. well. And another, another helpful hint is that you can go through your manuscript, or even if you don't even have a manuscript, you have a chapter, or maybe you just have a page, and highlight what you think is showing and highlight what you think is, is telling. And that's just a good way of getting your, your brain wrapped around it. Because even now, even though I have a published uh, book, Donna was the one who suggested that we read passages just from our own book to show, you know, to, to kind of explain this. Um, it, it took me a second back, like, oh, is, is that one showing? Is that one telling? Mm -hmm. So that one kind of gets you, it's it's like an exercise. It helps your brain. It helps you immediately spot those things. Yeah. And you know what, too? I, I, was, I was sharing with Hope earlier that, you know, I teach creative writing. I can detect when my students are showing and versus telling, but it's much harder for me to detect that with my own work, mm -hmm. which is why it's so important to get other people's eyes on your work as well, um, because they will pick up on different things that you don't even realize. I had one critique partner um, tell me that when I, when I create emotional reactions to something, I often create a series of emotional reactions instead of just one. And I didn't realize that I kind of use that pattern. So now I'm honed in on it. I, you know, go through my revised work to make sure that I'm not sort of giving several reactions to, you know, one experience in a book. Yeah, well, we are running out of time. We've kind of actually gone a little over our normal time oh. because this is such an important part of, of writing. And, and I think that we could probably later on in the fall or, or in the winter come back and touch back on this subject because it, it, it's more than just, I mean, I think we've been on air for maybe 25 minutes. This this is a this is one of the most important parts of writing, honestly, is to know the difference and to know how to use each each one. Um, so Donna, as our teacher, I love to always ask, what is our homework? So our do now is connected with something that um, Hope mentioned. I want you to get a couple of highlighters and a three to five page sample of any of your writing and um, highlight everything where you think you're showing and everything where you think you're telling in a different color. So you can visually see um, the balance between the two. And then I want you to go back to those examples that you highlighted as something that you're telling and ask yourself, should I be telling this or is this something that I should show because it's really important to the arc of the story? Um, and yeah, that's and also we can also do a little twist on this because some people who listen to this podcast are strictly listening to it as a reader. Yeah. So maybe you could also take passages of a book that you're currently reading or one that, you know, is one of your favorites and you can do the exact same thing. Can you recognize when you're reading a book, is this showing or is this telling? Yeah. And, and your reaction to um, like how engaged you are in those moments. Absolutely. And Donna, can you tell us where everyone can find all those useful info, you know, all those little tidbits that we've given all those, uh, the, the, uh, the, the books they can find. Can you tell them where our website is? 
Sure. Um, so you could find our show notes at our website, which is www.authorstalkingbookish.com. Um, there are some links on there as well. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram. Um, Hope is at author Hope Gibbs, and I am at Donna Norman Carbone. And we also have an author talking bookish account at authors talking bookish. So um, we hope you will follow us there and join us in two weeks for our, ne our next episode, which is writer's block. Is it real? <laughs> um, I, I, I have a very strong opinion on that one. I can't wait to share it with you. And Donna, as always, this was so much fun and I look forward to seeing you in two weeks. Me too. Thanks everybody. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Hope Gibbs. And I'm Donna Norman Carbone. It's time for you to get to work. We look forward to seeing you in two weeks with another tip from your author friends.